Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want to refer just briefly. I'm not going to preach it. Uh, Genesis chapter 20, where Abraham and Sarah lied. Abimelech, the king of Gerar, got Sarah over there to go to bed with her. And the Lord came and confronted him, and his plea was, the king was, in my integrity I did this. He lied, even she lied to me. And the Lord said, I knew you did it in your integrity, therefore kept uh, thee from her. Now, Brother Russell would call that the sovereignty of God. That left us no, listen, you can believe it or not, you can accept it or not, but our Lord God controls everything. And he controlled that man. They've got that beautiful woman over there with the intentions. And God just stopped her. But the message I want to share with you out of that briefly by introduction is God required King to go over there and Abraham prayed for him. Now, Abraham and Sarah caused the problem. I got you. Abraham and Sarah caused the problem. Now, the king's going over there, and they're going to have to pray for him. And they did, right? And God heard them and answered and opened up the wombs of the women at Gerar. Now, do you remember what Sarah and Abraham's problem was? Sarah's womb is barren. Now, they caused the problem, and God required it of them to pray. God heard them and answered them on behalf of those others. And they still have that unanswered prayer. So my question is, has anyone ever asked you to pray for them about a matter? And you've got the same unanswered prayer in your life. Usually it's family. Not always. Or something, or something about the ministry, or something. Whatever it is. I see a lot of nods. And my conclusion to that is, we can pray. And God hear us and answer us on their behalf. And so far, our prayer hadn't been answered. So I encourage you, when somebody comes by and says, pray for me, pray for them. Don't say, I can't pray. I, I've been asking God for that same thing for years. Are you in Romans chapter 10? Would you stand with me? Brother Russell, this will be my message this morning. I've just got this. And then you can preach the rest of the time. I was thinking about what y'all were singing. I hiked way back in the mountains in the Antilles. And I was the only, I'm satisfied. I was the only person in the building with a watch. The only vehicle there was the one that carried me in, dropped me off, and left. No other, no one in the church had a vehicle. And they sang. 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 And I was a peeping at my watch, and the chief, they called him the chief singer. He got that out of the book of Habakkuk, unto the chief singer. And he saw me, and he turned to me, and he said, Do not worry, minister. We are not taking your time as you suppose. 
He turned to the congregation and said, Come now, brethren, let's have another lively course. <laughs> and at something past 9 p.m., I stood. But before I stood, the elder said, Well, if you had rather be someplace else, quietly excuse yourself. Now, I'm not going to give you that opportunity this morning. We're going to read this, preach it a little bit. Pastor, take up the oversight willingly, not for with fifty lucre. And we'll go from there. All right, Romans chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And this is the message. If you have a desire that people be saved, make it a prayer. And last night after we looked at the beauty of the church, we looked at praying when it's hopeless and helpless. And God heard. And God willed a change for humble, tender-hearted, repentant people. But he did not change his will. And the righteous can prolong the state. I read that in the Bible. The wicked princes, there's multitude, plenty of them, plenty of wicked princes. But the prayer of the upright, God takes a delight in. So keep praying. Amen. Amen. Let me say this to you. I'm not going to make a political statement this morning. Pray for me about the charge at the black people's church. I don't know how much I'll, current events I'll go into, but uh, I'm going to bring us up to date on the great God of heaven and earth being in charge of all this stuff. All of it, from the grandest military political scenario to the minutest, creepy, crawly thing. God's in charge. I just mentioned God kept that man from that beautiful woman. Therefore kept I thee from her. Well, to be glad, rejoice in that. And go ahead and pray, lead us not into temptation. Why should we pray that? Because you've already proved it to yourself. You can't handle it. Pray for God to help you. So if you have a desire, make it a prayer that people will be saved. Do not act like you don't care. If you care and try to act like you don't care, you've been a hypocrite. Continue on. For I bear them record. That they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that believe it. Thank you, you can be seated. Andrew, pray for us, will you, brother? Can you pray for us? Hmm? Okay. Take a seat. Trust in the Lord to minister to all of our hearts this morning. My son did me like that one morning, so you're not new. You're not the only one. Probably you got some family and kin folks that fit here. If you put nine and ten together, his conscience bearing record, the Holy Ghost bearing record, he had a heaviness and a continual sorrow. He could wish himself a curse for his brethren, his kinfolks, countrymen. 
Then he declares God's election. Before those boys were ever born, God loved one of them and hated the other one. Now, a fella challenged me on that, and I said, I'll tell you what you do. You go read that account, and your problem's not going to be God hating Esau. Your problem's going to be why did God love that other boy? And God does as he wills. He got it to us. Not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God chose mercy. He raised up Pharaoh for his purpose. All of this wonderful, wonderful truth of God being God. We can just say it like that. God's God. That covers it all. Election, predestination, foreknowledge, the new birth. He begins a good work. He can end it. No, he finishes it to the day of Christ. So those of you that are believers... You believe. You're having little problems. Don't worry about God giving up on you. He's not going to say, I made a mistake on them. I just can't handle them. He's not going to do that. Now, what he will do is hook that thorn in your tender, tenderest place. And you come along willingly. No chastening seems joyous for the moment. But afterwards, it just peaceable fruit righteousness here we have I'm going to I'm just going to put this in my South Arkansas vernacular the way we talk in South Arkansas they are a bunch of self-righteous religious hypocrites they think they doing God a favor trying to do right once in a while they have not submitted to the righteousness in, it's in Christ but my desire and my prayer to God for them is that they be saved. Now, going on in this chapter, the apostle presents this prophecy of Moses. And Moses said, it's not very far. Very, very, let me just read it. Verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. And the conclusion of that's in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, 20. Here's God's purpose in the law, that every mouth be stopped and the whole world become guilty before God. And when God's law has its effectual work in you, you shut your mouth and the next thing comes out is guilty. I'm a sinner. And probably you think like this, most of us do. I can't die like this. And you begin pleading guilty. You're a sinner. And that's God's purpose in the law. I call it the law of the gospel. God uses it. Now the law is fulfilled in Christ for righteousness. But the law for relationships is still there and it's in the epistles. Do you think you're... Uh, I made a little light statement last night. I'll just put it back in. Do you think your precious little grandkids are so pure and holy they do not need to be taught honor your father and mother? Do you think the people, the men that you know are so holy in their thinking that they do not need to be reminded thou shalt not commit adultery? That's part of our message. I was on one of those little buses in the Antilles jammed up in there. It was 19 of us in an 11 passenger van. And I had my foot on the wheel well and my knees up like that and a beautiful black woman in front of me run her hand over the seat and started stroking my leg above the knee. Wanted to know what I was doing on our fire island. 
And I said, I'm a messenger from Jesus Christ. I'm an ambassador for Christ. God will make peace with you on his terms, not yours. She said, oh, religion. So what does your religion teach? I'll tell you the truth, brother and sister and sinner friend. It did not seem appropriate for me to tell her, smile, God loves you, and I do too. So in that situation, this is what the Holy Ghost brought out of me. What does our religion teach? Thou shalt not commit adultery. And she got her hand off of my thigh. It's part of the message, brother and sister. God still holds it there. Now for the saints, it's for relationships. For the sinner, it's so you'll face it and shut your mouth. Quit blaming somebody else and plead guilty as a sinner. And Moses brought it out to them. They had the word of God. It's a promise. I'm going to read it now. But Moses described the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth these th those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. Now Moses wrote that prophesied it. They didn't have to go somewhere else. They didn't have to get information from someone else. God had laid the law down through the, the uh, prophet Moses. That's what Moses wrote over there. This is a quote out of Deuteronomy. And then the apostle applies it to the gospel. In parentheses, that is to bring down Christ from above. And then he quotes Moses again. Or who shall descend into the deep? And then he applies it to the gospel. That is. To bring up Christ again from the dead. So we have this gospel presentation. From the prophecy of Moses. And here it is brother and sister. It's before us. I'm going to get ahead of myself. and hadn't got good started. It's before us. Our family, friends, and countrymen that are self-righteous hypocrites, it's before them. They don't have to go anywhere else. Here it is. It's the gospel. Let me read it to you as it's applied to humans. Verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now we flip it over. Now before I say this, I'm not saying no one is saved by this procedure. But I am saying no one is saved by this procedure. All right. Let's, let's, no, I don't do this. Everybody stand. You need to be. No, I, don't do it. I'm just using this. All right. Come on up here now. Come on up here and I'm going to. Give you the sinner's prayer. All right. You pray. This is what you say. This is the sinner's prayer. And we fl have flipped it over. But here's what's taught here. You don't have to go ask anybody. You heard the gospel. You believe it in your heart. And you confess it with your mouth. But we imply. It's implied. And most of us had to settle it before God. It's implied if you come up here and ask the Lord to save you, he's obligated to save you. Now, I asked a brother one time, I was preaching, 
concerning so-called decisional regeneration. I said, come on up here and I'll tell you, I'll show you how to pray. I'll tell you exactly what to pray. So he come on, he, he played into it. I said, let's get down here now. And, and you say, I'm a sinner. Jesus saved me. And he did. And I, I said, I stood up. And he caught where I was going with that. And I said, now, are you saved now? And he said, well, I ain't real sure. And I said, well, didn't you just ask the Lord to save you? And he said, I did that, preacher. I said, well, you ain't going to call God a liar, are you? And he said, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. And I said, well, therefore, you saved. Now, I'm making a point here. We've reversed it to indicate you purchase your salvation with your praying. But you don't. You respond. It's not that we love God, but he loved us first. And set forth his son to be the propitiation. Satisfied. God satisfied with the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Believe it in your heart. And you'll quit trying to satisfy satisfied God. You're not saved with your praying, with your repentance, with your service or whatever. People, those are evidences. Those are visible evidences that God has begun a good work in your heart. And don't worry about it. He ain't going to give up on you. If you're one of his that he gave his son before the foundation of the world, he can handle you. Bow and bow spell the same way, but one bows up rebellion and pride and the other and bows down in humility and brokenness so come before him listen believe in your heart now here's some evidence here in the next verse let me read verse 33 of chapter 9 as it is written behold i lay in sign a stumbling stone a rock of offense and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed now, a man believes in his heart and confesses it with the mouth of the Lord Jesus. You ain't got to go hunt him up and beg him to come to church. And you hadn't got to force him to be baptized. He's not ashamed. Now, I've used this on people that's confused about their salvation. I probably shared this with you before. I was talking with a friend, a brother, and he was standing at the seat, and he didn't listen to me that morning. Brother Doug, he was distant. So I worked around, I got back, and I said, Brother, you somewhere else this morning, what's the problem? He said, I'm confused. I said, about what? And he said, everything. I said, well, give me your Bible. He gave it to me, and I just dropped it down the seat. And I said, why don't you go get in your truck and go off and worship whatever and whoever you want to. Just call this a bad choice. I made a bad choice. Ain't nothing to it, bunch of hypocrites, and I'm gone. He got happy. He said, don't you make fun of me. I said, I'm not making fun of you. I'm as serious as brain cancer. Just just leave. He said, I can't do that. Now we got a place to work. Why? Why can't you just deny Christ? A, a young fellow used to travel with me a little bit, not a lot, because his grandpa insisted. He's a vocal atheist now. And I'm just waiting till our paths cross. It will. And I'll call him to it. If you refuse Jesus Christ, you reject him in your heart, you will wind up in the lake of fire. The fire's not quenched, the worm dies not, and you'll be screaming and remembering and fussing at God. Always. Now you're looking at me like that. 
that rich man still fussing at God. Do you read that? And the father tells him this, and he said, Nay! That's crazy, ain't it? Burning in torments in hell and still fussing at God. People, I watched the situation one night, a plane crashed, and we were the first people there. Brother Paratrooper, those people were burning alive, screaming and blaspheming God, burning alive. So don't say, I'm going to wait till just before I die, and then I'm going to get right with God. You may scream blasphemies against God and die and go to hell and still object to God. So now I'm going to read verse 11. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There's no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And this is the salvation that comes. It'll, Paul enlarged on it on a little bit. There's no difference. Red, yellow, black, or white. The old precious in this sight. I was in a church. Some of the people thought that Negroes don't have a soul. Yeah, brought it up. I challenged them with it. And the pastor told the fellow to shut up or leave. Shut up and sit down or leave. Some people think like that. Now, I won't go any further with that. But I'm going to tell you something, people. I was at a place in Tennessee, and I made those statements, and I said, listen, there will be Negro people in heaven. God saves them by His mercy and grace. They repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and their life changes. I know some. They teach their children scriptures. They are very, very able in, in, in teaching their children in their home, black people. I shared with you about the black pastor last night, ordering us all, especially his black congregation. If they get Brother Carter and I put us in jail, don't you get out in those streets demonstrating. You call yourself to prayer. That's black people. Now I was at a church in Tennessee, and I said, now do you people think there'll be black people in heaven? I'm talking about the difference here. There's no difference. One or two of them nodded a little bit. I said, no, come on. You're counting the shame. You look like you're at your mama's funeral all of a sudden. Do you really think there'll be black people in heaven? And they got one or two more nods. And I said, of course there are. And there might be a few white people there if they'll repent and believe the gospel. And I went on preaching. Well, the fellas came to me. Before I got to, I got to the coffee pot, poured me a cup of coffee. And he said, Brother John, did you know the Ku Klux Klan started just across the hill over there? I said, what difference does that make? Now, they did some things. They enforced some things. But there's no difference. And if you think you're better than God's little black kids, you need to repent this morning. Because Pastor already quoted that verse for us. When a man thinks himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceived himself. See how Solomon's done. When thou wast little in thine own sight, God bless you, raise you up. Now, don't get to thinking y'all some kind of something, the select of the elect, just because God's kept this old building open for y'all. Listen, there's no difference. Anywhere, there's no difference. It's the same gospel and the same salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And that's, that is an uh, uh, imperative. It is, it is what you have to do. What? You can't think your way into being saved. You can't hope your way into being saved. You 
shall call on the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now reading on, verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And it's not it's not just the pastor that does the preaching. It's uh, it's we are all ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And we all have that wonderful, wonderful privilege and often opportunity to tell people about our salvation. We just ordained a uh, fellas, the deacon in the church, we didn't make him a deacon. He's a servant. We just made that appointment, acknowledgement. And his fame is this. He has, by this work of a deacon, he has purchased to himself boldness. I read that. Paul's writing to Timothy. As he ministers in love, as a servant, as a deacon to the church, he became bold in his witness. And he said, at least you can do is tell people how God's, how good God's been to you. I've gone back to the beginning of my salvation. I'm talking about talking to folks. How can they call on whom they've not heard? Don't make up your mind that they don't want to hear. If God opens a door, and sometimes he strictly forbids us. Sometimes the Spirit suffers us not. That's the, apostle, the, part, the missionary team. And the man said, come over and help us. He's had a vision. It went over. There's a few praying women down by the river. And the start, you know, a demonized girl and a jail man. And the start of the, one of the most spiritual churches in the New Testament was there. But this calling, this calling out, how can they call on whom they've not heard? Talk to folks. Ask the Lord to open the door of utterance. Do that for me. Ask that the Lord will open the door of utterance and then open my mouth wide that I may speak forth the gospel of Christ. And then that God will open their hearts and understanding that they might believe this gospel message. So how can they call on him they've not heard? I may ask you this. This is kind of indicting into some of us that's embarrassing. If the furtherance of the gospel in your arena depended on you, how successful would it have been? Shame on us. I was on a job, Brother Russell, and the boys were talking mighty dirty. It was vulgar and just bad, bad, bad. Well, I'm the preacher. I done talked to most of them. And he's carrying on this stuff, and this young man come up there from something else, and he put his arm out like that. He said, hey, I want to introduce you all to my the best friend I've ever had. And his name Jesus Christ. What I want y'all to do, I'd like for y'all to know, all this filthy talking that y'all are putting out, you're going to have to get before him in his judgment and give an account for every idle word. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I'm the preacher. And God used this young tender Christian to call them to that. Judgment. How can they call on him they've not heard? How can you go? God sends us. Some are scattered. Some are sent. That's in the book of Acts. And so let's be careful and prayerful and make sure somewhere in our talking to people 
we tell them how good God's been to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And I started out as a young Christian. Sister Nita, I said, I found the Lord. <laughs> I'd hunt that bunch of toughies up. They'd run from me, hurt me. Why were they running from me? And I was telling them, I found the Lord. I did. I found the Lord. He saved me. I didn't find him. He found me. He wasn't lost. I was lost. They got straightened out about that. But in my later years, I have used that. As I think it's the Lord's will. Talking to one of the hard-hearted, stiff-necked old farmer the other day. He said, well, you know good. I said, I know Jesus Christ. The rest of us I wonder about. But he's good. He really is good. And I know this. I found the Lord. I found this Lord. And he opened the barn door wide open. He said, how did you do that? I found the Lord, right? How did you do that? I'm talking about calling out on them. How are they going to call out if ain't nobody talked to them? Now, this sovereign God going to get a witness to his elect. I don't mind it being me. Matter of fact, I like it. I love to talk to folks about my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to preach to old people. There may be something they're not right in their thinking toward God and fellow man. And righteousness is revealed. You're right and righteous in Jesus Christ. Live it. You're not going to make yourself more righteous by your external observances. The righteousness. He has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So tell people. I used to teach a class. I'm talking about talking to folks. The visitation class. I taught it. Oh, I forgot about that thing. This is what I do. We're going to have a class, right? This is one of the things I'm going to tell you to do. When you go in the room, you look it over and survey it and find out which chair would be more suitable be between them and the television. And you park there. Why? At least they'll be looking in your direction. (laughs) That's just... That's just childish, carnal stuff. But listen, be available. Be prayerful. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not ashamed of him. If you can quit on him, it ain't looking good. Come to him. If you'll receive him, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. You will never be ashamed of that. You'll be ashamed of the way you live sometime, but you'll never be ashamed of that. The Scripture tells us that those that are sent bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16. Now, this fits in some of my family and probably yours, kinfolks and friends and neighbors and countrymen. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we turn back there to Isaiah 53, it's a beautiful graphic word presentation of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53. Who believed it? It's the question. And here Paul brings it up. For a purpose. Now I'm going to make a point here. Talk to folks. As the Lord now, every, every situation, God's not going to use you. Let me catch myself right there. 
A dear, dear friend, one of the truest deacons I ever knew, Leroy Hanna, came to me one morning. He was upset. He was under condemnation. He was on a guilt trip. We got by. He said, I just need to talk to you in private. So we got by ourselves. It wasn't confidential. It was in private. He was in the barber shop, and some of you guys criticize the beauty shop girls for talking, but the barber shop's worse. They was carrying on trash. And Brother Leroy said, I sat there and I said, boy, somebody ought to say something. And the barber said, come on, Leroy, they're going to lie and carry on cuss. Come on, I'll cut your hair and you can go on about your day. Well, he said, I got my hair cut and they carried on, carried on. And I thought a couple more times, somebody ought to say something. I paid and left. I said, brother, did the Lord put something in your thinking that you should have said? He said, no, but somebody ought to have said something. I said, now listen, God did not have a word for that pervert from you. Did you know him? He said, I knew him. I talked to him before. At that point in time, God did not have a word from you for them. The Holy Ghost forbid them to go to Asia. They was going to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit suffered them not. I'm making a point before the devil gets you on a guilt trip about not talking to folks. Sometimes God does not have a word from you for them. But I think you know when he does. And I think you know when it's your turn. Just be open. Do like the Apostle. If you have a desire, make it a prayer. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now I'm going to say this and then read the next verse. But it's not just hearing with your ears. Look at the next verse. Well, let me read verse 17 again. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard? Yeah, verily, their sound went out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. They'd already heard. They declare. Listen, people, this is Bible truth. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But probably all your family and friends have heard the same gospel you have. It takes God taking that witness. That's the minister of the Holy Spirit. Takes your witness, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. But now listen, just because they've already heard, just because you've already talked to them, when they rebel and run, don't mark them off. If you have a desire for their salvation, make it a prayer. This pimple-faced punk was in church one Sunday morning because his girlfriend asked him to go. And somebody had been telling the preacher all about him, and when the preacher got through preaching, he got up and left. He lit him up a cigarette on the way to his truck. He'd taken the new... new uh, pipe straight, uh, take the new muffler and tailpipe off of his new pickup truck and put two straight pipes on it. He racked his pipes and left church. Don't mark him off. He may be the fellow preaching to you this morning. Don't mark people off. Be open, be fair, be honest with God, and be fair and honest with them. Maybe they have already heard. It'd be all right. I tell folks, when we, sometimes we're starting what we call a protracted meeting. Invite folks. What if everybody in church invited the same one? What difference does it make? If you care about them, if you have a desire, 
Make it a prayer. Now put it into practice. If the Lord's going to use you. That's what he does. That is what he does. Verse 19, But I say, did not Israel know? For Moses said, I'll provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I anger them. That's just following what we quoted back over there on the, about, uh, they didn't have to go get information from anybody. God had it right before them. They, didn't they know? Yes. Now, didn't they know that God was going to provoke them by a foolish nation? I'm going to make a point here about this. They knew, and it provoked them. That Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I anger you. But Isaiah is very bold. I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not for me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I've stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now, folks, I saved out of a very, very dysfunctional life. My mother was alcoholic. My daddy was a party animal. Talking about going to sleep at church. I would sit there and remember going back behind, that, behind the bandstand back up against the wall as a little fella and going to sleep. That's the only safe place in the whole dance hall. That. And God saved that fella. This one. Now listen. People have heard. People know. Now I've watched this to my dismay and sometimes aggravation. God saves an old boy or a girl right out of a deep life of sin. We've got three now waiting on being baptized. Do you know what some self-righteous hypocrite church members will do? They get jealous. And some of them will get mad. And one devout person said to me, you're spending a lot of time with them. they new converts. And I started a new converts class after we, after we moved and got an old store we've been with. Do you know who wanted to be in the new converts class? Everybody. And I thought about that song, Pastor. Seems they who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Now, the point is this. When God provokes you to jealousy or anger because of what he's doing among wicked people, confess it. And if you have a desire and a prayer to God, some of your family and friends and countrymen would be saved. Pray. If God opens the door for you, talk to him. At least pray this, that God would send forth laborers into his harvest. If they won't listen to me, uh, ask God, send a witness to my family. They won't listen to me, the mouth of two witnesses. And you know what? God does that. We're talking about praying. And if you have a desire for your family, friends, and countrymen to be saved. If you have a desire, make it a prayer. And at least pray that God will raise up a witness for them. That God will send forth laborers into his harvest. Last verse. But the Israelites said, all day long I've stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. Don't our friends and family and neighbors and countrymen resemble that. Yet this man had a desire 
and a prayer that that kind of people would be saved. Do that, brother and sister. If you have a desire, make it a prayer. Now, if you've heard the gospel, the saints that bid you come, the Spirit's witness, the Spirit and the bride say come, you know you're a sinner. You've never come to Jesus Christ. I beg you, I beseech thee. Instead of Christ, Christ is not here this morning, but the saints are. Come to Christ. Don't play around with it. God knows your heart. You can't hide anything from Him. Just be honest. And like a little child, come and plead guilty and ask Him to save you. Would you do that? Pastor. As far as I know, I've been obedient, brother, brother, to the message the Lord sent me with. Y'all pray. You people pray. Especially you women.